every athlete who stepped forward as a flyer that day, who eventually didn't fly on that team, resulted in a parent meeting. Literally every single one. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's get started. Turn it up, you tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 138. Not sure if there's going to be a 139, but thank you for joining. We have a great episode for you guys today. Today, we shake things up a bit and we're doing something we've never done before. Picture this. It's your first day of practice and you have a team that's ready to take on the world. You're doing the classic coach shuffle, trying to figure out who's who and what's what, and then suddenly you hit a snag. And this snag, as it turns out, isn't just impacting your team and your gyms, but it's impacting gyms all over the world. Today, I will be reading and reflecting on my most popular blog, Your Daughter Won't Fly Forever. But before we get into that, if you are new, welcome to the show where we are bringing cheer, education, and entertainment to both coaches and parents alike. And when we can, bridging the gap between the parents and the coaches. New episodes every Tuesday on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcast. Quick shout out to Claire who helps us stay on top of things on IG. Shout out to Jenny who edits the pod. Shout out to my mother, love you mom. Shout out to Sheila, Robin, Chanel, Tamara, Pablo representing for all the cheer dads out there. Our mate Michelle, Mike the lean mean coaching machine. Shout out to Adam and Casey. Shout out to Melissa from the Sweet Miss Bake Shop. Check her out on IG. Lauren Clark, shout out to Bode. Say hi to me. It's my birthday, Beal. And our two newest supporters, Erica and Austin. Erica, Austin, truly means a lot to me that you would donate financially to the show. Again, everything donated goes towards making this a better show for your listening pleasure. And if you want to help support the show financially, there is a link in the show notes to do so. But if you're looking for the best free way to support the show, the best free way is to share this podcast. Simply share it with another person who loves cheer just as much as you do. I'm the cheer director of the American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is ya boy. Without further ado, my reading and reflecting on Your Daughter Won't Fly Forever. What up, party people? We're going to hop straight into the blog, Your Daughter Won't Fly Forever. My first year coaching all-star cheerleading on the first day of practice, we walked into our team of 20 girls to get things started. The we is actually Ashley and I. It was your typical first day of practice. We started off with introductions, eventually got into a little tumbling, and finally, it was time to stunt. However, being our first day of practice, we really didn't know any of the athletes. We didn't know who the flyers were, who based, anyone's strengths or anyone's weaknesses. Yeah, so this is Ashley and I's first 
year at PCM. I had actually coached midseason the year before at PCM, but it was Ashley's first full season coaching at PCM. And then my first real season actually coaching all-star cheerleading, like a real, what we call elite today. So we didn't really know anyone coming to practice. I don't know, you know, Ashley and I barely know each other and we don't know any of the kids and, you know, we don't know who's who. So we did the classic coach move. All right, ladies, line up shortest to tallest. That's when we found out that most of our girls were the same height. Okay, plan B. If you're a flyer, step forward. That's when we found out that most of our girls were flyers as well. Hmm. And, you know, again, stepping out of the blog for a second. Not that, I'm not sure if they were all flyers or all just wanted to fly, right? Though, hey, man, it's my opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to step forward. I'm going to be a flyer. And this is not an exaggeration. And I'm reading that in the, in the blog. But for real, this part is not an exaggeration. Every athlete who stepped forward as a flyer that day, who eventually didn't fly on that team, resulted in a parent meeting. Literally every single one. And it's been happening ever since at every gym across America. And honestly, I put America in the original blog, but it might be across, you know, in across the globe, in the entire world. What's the big fuss? As coaches, we make personnel changes all of the time. Last year you were a main base, now we're going to have you secondary. Last year you're a secondary, now we're going to have you back spot. Last year you're a front spot and now we're going to have you fly. All of those things happen regularly. And no one complains about a thing or thinks twice about the move. But when a flyer is asked to try a new position, at best, it results in a parent meeting. At worst, a Facebook bash and the athlete cheering at another program entirely. I now know that if I decide to take a flyer out of the air, I should be prepared to lose her as an athlete altogether. Um... Yeah, that is, that's true. And I still feel like this. I'm going to go through some of these answers, not answers, but kind of reflect on it on this blog as a whole later on. But like that line specifically, I remember we had this kid in the gym. This Again, this is in the PCM days. Had this kid in the gym. She had left her gym like her home gym, like the gym she grew up in, and she started cheering for us at PCM. Had her in the air. Oh, I'm like trying, but, you know, I'm just like, ah, oh, this kid's not really working out. Ah, oh, she's not really that good of a flyer. And eventually didn't have her fly. That day, she quit and went back to her old gym. Like the day we took her out of the air. Um, but she was she's pretty she's a really talented kid, right? She could tumble and super talented, and she would have been great to have in the program. But she goes back to old gym. She flies there. She comes back to us maybe two years later, and she's back with us, right? And I know she already she already showed us once. <laughs> you know, you took me out of the air. I went back to my old gym, so I knew if that happened, it would happen again. So I'm trying 
really to keep this kid in the air as much as I can. Like, you know, besides just giving her the very best main, second, and back spot on the team, you know, because we had other stunt groups. We had to put up another, we were probably medium that year or what we consider, what we call medium now, large that year. Um, so, I mean, we probably had six stunt groups in the air. And, you know, we have to have six stunt groups, you know, fly. And so, short of giving her the very best of everyone on the team, you know, I'm trying to give her a stunt group that works, and it's just not working in order to keep six stunt groups in the air. And I tried, Ashlyn and I tried literally like all summer to try to keep this kid in the air. And eventually it's like, Dude, she just can't stand. Like, we just can't keep this kid in the air and be a successful team at the same time. And I remember we took her out, and it started off with me switching her in and out with another flyer. And the other flyer's clearly doing better. And eventually, you know, we made the decision that she wasn't going to fly. And as soon as that happened, again, like clockwork, as soon as that happened, the kid ended up going to a whole different gym entirely. She didn't even go back to her old gym. She went to a different gym entirely, right? And so, you know, and I've seen it happen over the years, right? When you take a flyer out, like, you know, yeah, at best, it's a parent meeting. And I'm still having parent meeting, even to this day, as I'm saying this right now, take flyers out of the air. And I don't have them as much as I did this first year. I think this first year might have been a, um, I want to say an exaggeration, but a, a spike in the data where we had, but we still do have, I still have to have to this day parent meetings when we take flyers out of the air. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of, and yeah, and, and, and us and gyms everywhere are still losing kids completely when their daughter or son i guess isn't flying anymore so why does this happen check your instagram bio or your daughter's twitter bio and likely they'll look something like this mom of two wonderful angels this is for the mom and then the daughter or son would say something like this american cheer junior blue with a nice little blue heart justin is bay this so you can tell this is dated people don't say bay anymore people were saying bay back then um the things we put in our bios are how we choose to identify ourselves and our self-identity is how we view that we bring value and worth into this world what I've noticed over the years is that flyers, more than any other position in cheerleading, root a lot of their personal self-worth and self-identity in being not just a cheerleader, but being a flyer. And I hate to say this, but a lot of parents root their self-identity in the athletic success of their children, which is why when a flyer is taken out of the air, coaches have an email in their inbox that night what can be done parents help athletes understand their true value that they are significant in this world whether or not they fly or not whether or not they cheer or not and that they aren't any more or any less important valuable or significant because of their position or status on the team
parents, my challenge to you is that you prep your little flyer that you won't fly forever and that that's okay. The reality is that life is ever moving and ever changing. We've all heard the mantra, only the strong survive, but I don't agree with that. It's not always the strongest or the smartest who survive, but those who are most adaptable. Be sure to read my blog on team sports because that's what team sports are about. Sacrificing the me for the we. Sometimes what's best for the team is for an athlete to fly. And the next year, it's best for her to base. And the next, it's best for her to go from a senior team to a junior team. That's a whole nother blog in itself. But parents, based on my experience, Future athletes fly their entire cheer careers, and I really think coaches and parents alike need to help our flyers realize that because the day will come when she is no longer a flyer, either because the position has become too stressful for her, too advanced, she's outgrown the position, or just flat out she isn't cheering anymore. Either way, the day is coming. Don't let it sneak up on you and devastate your little princess. So there we go. One of my very first blogs. I remember I started the blog, you know, I believe that was in 2017 that started the blog. And I I think I've told that, I think I told this in episode 99. I really enjoyed having the blog. I enjoyed getting my ideas and my perspective out into the world, but I was so hypercritical on everything I wrote, and it's a lot easier, you know, you can talk, and you change your voice, and the way you, you know, emphasize things to really, like, drive, oh, this was a joke, or I'm being sarcastic, or I'm being serious, you know, it was really hard for me, not that it was hard, but I wanted to make sure that when I was trying to say something that was funny, that it came off as a joke, or if I was saying something sarcastic, that came off as sarcastic, and because I didn't ever want to be taken out of context, and like, oh, can you believe that Jason said this? And so I like really struggled with with the blog, which is why I never really, not that I never, that's why it was hard for me to keep up with it, because I was always scrutinizing everything I did for the blog and figured, you know what, a podcast might be easier for me to actually like fix all those things. Anyway, um, but this blog, this was like the first one to like take off. I remember usually I would post and you can see the stats And usually day one was the day that got the highest amount of clicks on it, right? And so, all right, I got a good amount of clicks on this blog. Awesome. And then after that, you know, the clicks were getting lower and lower and lower. And I remember this thing took off. And I remember it got like something crazy, something stupid. Um, well, crazy to me, right? In my, not like super viral, but it got like several, like something like 30,000 clicks or something crazy like that, right? On day one. And I was like, man, and I just assumed that was going to be the peak. 
And then on day two, it did like even more than that. And I was like, what? It did more than the day one clicks, which is unreal to me. Um, and so this one like definitely made its rounds and like made its rounds like once a year it'd pop up. Um, that's when I was like, man, maybe I should like, apparently people like some of my ideas. So let me, let me keep giving my ideas out there into the world. So anyway, here we go. Let's get to some of these things. Um, here goes some of these AI questions. How do you currently feel about the points you made in the blog? You know, I still stand behind this blog, you know, especially in general. Um, in ge There's nothing I really disagree with. There's nothing I look back. You know, a lot of times we look back, we look back on our fashion choices or we look back on, I look back on other things I've said, like, you know, Facebook brings up old you know, hey, Jason, 15 years ago, you had this as a status. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, oh, what was I thinking? I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I said that. But looking back on this, I still feel, I still feel real good about the, about the blog. I still agree with, I still agree with all of this. I would probably change the way I worded some of it and just write it a little bit differently. But for the most part, I really like it, still stand by it, and and I'm good with it. Um, have your opinions on the challenges faced by flyers and cheerleading evolved since you first wrote the blog? Um, I'm not even sure I really understand that question. Um, I understand it, but I'm not sure... Have the uh, have your opinions on the challenges faced by flyers? The challenges faced by flyers. I I guess I don't understand because I don't did do flyers have challenges? Not that flyers don't have challenges. I don't think I talked about any challenges that flyers have. That's why I don't understand the question. Um, so I guess I'm not gonna answer it. Um, if you could go back and make any changes to the blog, would you? Yeah, I tighten it up a little bit. There's nothing. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change really any of the content. I would just change kind of the way I worded some things. Like you know, Justin is Bay. I'd probably take that out. Um, but for the most part, I think it has stood this short test of time. That it's been what was that? Twenty seventeen. So about six years. Um, have there been any developments or new insights that you would alter that would alter your perspective? No, again, I feel I feel really good because at the heart of the blog, I keep I keep on wanting to say blog. At the heart of the blog, it's about what we're putting our self-worth in. And that's really at the heart of this. It's not even about, yes, I'm talking about flyers specifically in this, but at the heart of it, what I wanted to communicate to everyone is where we, as people, are putting our self-worth. 
how do you find yourself valuable? And and I just think it's a dangerous position for kids, right, flyers, to put all their self-worth into being a flyer. And I think it's dangerous to put all your self-worth into being a cheerleader. And I I think it's especially dangerous for parents to put all their self-worth into the achievements of their um, kids, right? And so really at the heart of this is where are you putting your self-worth? And so that's really what this blog was about was just a a warning not to build your house on sand but to build your house on the rock right um a sure foundation Mm, what was the initial response when you first released the blog it was pretty positive like i said it it did that first day it did like stupid numbers and then it climbed and it it got good traction for like a month. I couldn't believe it. Um I did not make any money on it. Um I don't think I'm gonna make any money on this. Um I'm not expecting this to go stupid viral. Um but, but I remember <laughs> I remember someone called me and what uh she had her own blog I keep on wanting to say blog she had her own blog and I remember she called me and was like Jason this was great you need to set up a website and have ads on the website and make some money on this and I'm like what I could do that and yeah it never really happened so but the initial response was awesome people loved it um I wanted to go and read like some negative comments. I remember initially reading some negative comments when it first happened, but on my actual blog page, everyone was pretty positive, right? I got a lot of, and when it, you know, it was going, mostly it was like um, circulating on Facebook. So I got a lot of positive comments on that, but you know, I got a lot of this great read. So well written. Amen, Jason. Um, You certainly nailed it. These are all different people. Um, yes, your gift for articulating different subjects shines through again. I personally love the reminder on what is a reflection of parenting. Uh, another person this is from Celeste. Jason, this was perfect. Reading this just reminded me of how blessed we were that you coached our daughter at CBU. Hey, shout out. Oh, yeah, Alicia's mom. Um, and how much we miss you. I hope you continue to bless the lives of the many athletes out there. Um, so yes, we had a lot of like real positive responses. Um, now there definitely were some negative responses out there. Um, I remember someone said I was, I had antiquated thinking. I remember that. Um, and I wanted to find some negative comments. I kind of like, Without me like going and digging, 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 I couldn't really find like the negative comments. That's what I really wanted to respond to. Um, were there any surprising reactions or feedback that stood out to you? Um, you know, at the time, there were there was a lot more negative response. I remember I shared the blog on 
Cheer Mad. This is not the lady who called me, but there's a different lady who has a who has a blog. But Cheer Mad shared it on her Facebook page. And I remember there's a bunch of negative comments on there. I think people were nicer to me, like on my actual blog. But like since I was like one person removed, like it wasn't her blog, so like parents were just saying whatever. I remember there being like negative comments on there, and I remember saying like, "Hey, I should like come on and answer all these things like on a live, you know, thing on your channel or whatever." Um, yeah, that never happened. But anyway, mm, I can't remember what they said, but yeah. What type of praise did you receive from the blog, from both the cheerleading community and others? Um, Again, I already kind of answered that. But yeah, a lot of good praise. It was really cool. Um, I had lots of friends who read the blog who didn't cheer. They just saw that it was getting some good traction and read it and like reached out. I was like, hey, man, I read it, you know. And so that was, that was really cool. That was actually probably the coolest part was hearing from friends who weren't in the cheer community who said they read it. And, you know, so they liked it and, you know, just had positive feedback for me. On the flip side, did you face any criticism? If so, how did you handle it? I already talked about the criticism. Can't really remember anything specific besides someone calling me antiquated or me having antiquated thinking. And how did I handle it? Um, You know, nature of the beast. If you're going to put stuff out there, you got to know that people are going to... uh. Not everyone's going to love everything that you do. But so many people liked it that I guess it didn't really bother me too much. How has writing and reflecting on this blog impacted your coaching approach, especially when it comes to working with flyers and their parents? Um, you know especially before knowing that we were we would likely lose the flyer to another program or just whatever it made me like ah oh man well you know like I said with that one athlete I'm going to try to keep her in the air as much as I can because I really think she brings lots of value to the team. Not necessarily that her value is to... Not that she necessarily brings a lot of value through her flying, but through all the other things that this athlete was good at. She brings lots of value to the team, and I'd really like to keep that on the team. And so I know prior, I probably kept flyers on longer than I should have. And I've said this before in another um, another episode of the podcast. And I know I, I've said it before in like our parent meetings at, at American. But it says, coaches would rather lose competitions than sit in parent meetings, Right? Meaning they know that if they make this decision that is what's best for the team, they know they have a parent meeting. And so instead of making the decision that's best for the team, they make the decision that keeps them out of parent meetings. And so 
I think that's one thing that lots of coaches struggle with, um, at least for a period of their coaching career. And probably lots of coaches struggle with, with it their entire coaching career is being able to make a hard decision, know that you're going to have parents who are upset about that decision. And that's, you know, possibly going to, you know, just have a negative impact, not like on the team, but just on your relationship. Now this is so true. And this is why, you know, as if you've listened to the pod, you've been listening for a while, You've heard me say, man, you know, I, I do, there is a part of me that wants to have closer relationships with our families at American. However, I have to keep parents somewhat at arm's length because of the things I've seen happen in my career. And I've seen many times before um, parents love me. Oh, Jason, he is the best. And then I make a decision that the parents don't agree with and now I'm the worst person there is in the world, right? And so... You know, it's hard for me to fully trust that parents really like me. Do they like me or they just like that I make decisions that for the time being are favorable for their athlete? Would you still feel this way if I made a decision that wasn't favorable for your athlete, right? And so... You know, so, you know, I'm not even sure the point that I was trying to make, but, you know, just as a coach, it's hard for me to really, like, know, like, I don't know if they really like, and I know, and I'm sure there's plenty of parents out there who'd go, you know, I know we have lots of parents who listen, lots of our own parents listen to the the podcast, go, Jason, I love Jason, he's great, you guys have a great program, um, but I don't know. Would that change? And I've seen it. I've just seen it happen too many times when the relationship has changed as soon as I've made a decision that parents or athletes didn't agree with. Right. And now he's the one for being the best guy. You know, I was the hero and now I'm the villain. Right. All right. Here we go. In the time since the blog, have you implemented or seen any changes in the cheerleading community regarding the challenges faced by flyers and the reactions of parents? Um, not particularly. I feel like I should have screened these quite like I kind of read them, but I didn't really like go. I don't like that question. Um, no, you know, I think. I think it's pretty much the same. I don't see parents. I don't think I have to have as many. I don't think I personally have to have as many meetings as I did that first year. I think that first year was partially Ashley and I were new. 
Um, I think the parents kind of took advantage of that year. You know, Ashley and I were unproven to that whole gym. No one knew us. I think we have a lot more um, cachet nowadays. So we still get questioned. We still get questioned on things that we do. But I don't think we get as questioned. I don't think we get questioned as much on every decision we make. And I think we've built again. I think we've built up some some trust. And um, and I think we're better at communicating now than we were before. Well, I know that we are, but I think that might have something to do with the changes I have personally seen in parent reactions. Um, what strategies or advice would you give to coaches dealing with similar situations? I would say have as much as you can. I think at the end of the day, parents want to have an understanding because some, sometimes parents are completely blindsided, even if it's completely obvious to us as coaches. No, there's no way this athlete is going to fly. Parents are some sometimes just are blindsided by those things. And they is is obvious as obvious as it is to us as coaches. And we think it's just as obvious to everyone else. The parents don't see it that way, right? For whatever reason. And so having honest, open, transparent conversations about what we see and sharing our perspective on how we see things is one thing I would do. The other thing I would do is as a coach, you're responsible for, and if we're just talking about just coaches, right? You're a team coach. You're responsible for the success of your team, right? And so you're, you know, you don't owe it to a specific flyer to have her fly forever. And I'm sure, you know, there's coaches or gym owners who would disagree with me on that. But I think your responsibility as a coach is to the team's success as a whole. And sometimes you have to make a hard decision that says, hey, we need you in this position. Um, I know I know you've had your heart set on a flyer as a flyer. I know you've been flying for X amount of years. But, you know, a lot of times of flying, and, you know, Brittany and I have talked about this, flying isn't so much even about that the flyer is no longer a good flyer. It's that you need to have good bases. A lot of times, the, you know, the bases just aren't there anymore and, you know, you need good bait. You need people to be able to lift the person, right? And so you just don't have the talent or the strength or the combination to put together the right um, the right flying dynamics or the right stunt group dynamics to make sure that this you know stunt group can be 
a good one. So my advice to coaches, again, open, honest, transparent conversations with with families and then to remember that you need to make decisions that are best for the team. Don't make decisions that keep you out of parent meetings. Make decisions that are best for the team, even if that means you're going to have to have a parent meeting or even if that means you're going to have to lose an athlete. That's going to happen sometimes. Um, what question are we on now? How is your understanding of the balance between individual identity and team dynamics evolved over the time since the writing of the blog? How is your understanding of the balance between individual identity and the team dynamics evolved over the time? I think, I'm not sure if I'm answering this question, but I think one thing, I always try to recognize that, hey, athletes, I understand that you guys have your own personal team goals. I totally understand that. You have a specific goal that you set for yourself this season that you want to be, you know, in all the tumbling this year. You want to be in this specific tumbling pass. You want to be front row of dance. You want to do things. And I really encourage all the athletes to have all their individual goals. We all need to have goals. You know, goals wake us up in the morning. They drive us forward. We all need to have our individual goals. I just really try to emphasize, you have to make it part of your team culture, right, every day, that it's not, but this season isn't just about you reaching all of your individual goals. The season is about us being the best we can be as a team. And we need to think about the team goals. We really need to think about the team goals. And I've had to change as a coach as well. You know, when I was at PCM, the only thing I cared about was the team, the success of the team I was coaching, right? I coached two teams at PCM. I coached... um, you know, Enchanted and Angels. And that was the only thing I cared about. I cared about their success. I really wanted the other teams in our program to look good. I really did. I really hope they look good. Um, but, you know, I was all about my two teams being great. Um, and so, you know, I remember we had this um, Pop Warner team that would come and rent the gym. And, you know, I wasn't so nice to that Pop Warner team because they were, you know, they'd be in our space or they'd be using the music when I needed to use the music or team tumbling class, you know, academy classes would be going. And I know our kids need to go on the tumble track and we need to use this space so we can get our tucks or whatever, right? Like, I didn't care about any of those other things. The only thing I cared about was... (laughs) I remember we went to a true story. We had um, our showcase. And we were one of the last. I actually think we were the last team. We're at our showcase. And we're the last team of the event. 
maybe there's a team after us, but I'm pretty sure we're like the last team of, of our event. And we had like some former athletes working the warm up room to make sure everything runs smoothly. I'm like, hey, Jason, you got to rotate. And our kids weren't done warming up. And I was like, yeah, we're not rotating yet. <laughs> he's like, you got to rotate, man. And I was like, yeah, we're not rotating. They're not done warming up. They're, they're warming up, man. I'm like, guys, keep warming up. And he's, you know, he's pissed or whatever. And I remember he went and, um, complain to whatever owner like jason's holding up the warm-up room blah blah he's a man jason don't care about any of that except for that team looking good and i was just like that's very true it's the only thing i care about me i don't care about your warm-up schedule only thing i care about those guys looking good so um the point is even i've had to grow to not just re to realize it's not just about the teams that I coach, but it's about, you know, the program as a whole being great, um, about our coaches being a great unit together, and just about, like, the overall success of American cheer and not just the success of, you know, the teams that I coach, right? And so, Again, I encourage all of our athletes to have their individual goals, but know that they have to, at the end of the day, the thing that we have to like really be lifting up are the team goals of the, or the, the, the goals of the team as a whole. Let's see, what advice would you give to parents who may be overly invested in their child's specific role on the cheerleading team? Um, well, we're just talking about goals, and what's this last one? How can parents help their children understand their value beyond their position or status in cheerleading? You know, I think advice I would give parents. I think that, actually, we'll end with this. This is good. I think that parents love their kids. And I think if you ask any parent, do you love your kid unconditionally? They'd all say, yeah, of course I love my kid. I love my kid, you know? Like, she's the best. He's the best, right? And they love their kid. But I think that, and although they show it in lots of ways, I think there are times when they don't always show it the correct way, right? And so I remember we went to USA Nationals, and I'll end on this story. We went to USA Nationals in Anaheim, California years ago. And awards weren't until late at night. You know, who knows? But they're late, you know. Past, USA used to have awards at like midnight. I remember one time we waited until midnight to get to get awards. Um, But it's past 10 p.m. for sure when awards were. And parents are tired they have to drive back they have to get on the road back to bakersfield which uh anaheim bakersfield you know two and a half hours maybe right 
something like that. Two, three hours. It's, it's, you know, it's a drive for sure. And parents are tired. They, you know, they've been, they've been in this convention center all day. They just want to get home. And I remember parents asking, hey, like, do you think they're going to win? And if you don't think they're going to win, can we get on the road right now? <laughs> can we just leave and not go to awards? And I remember writing in what we call now the Liberty Report, our monthly email to parents about what they should be on the lookout for at American Cheer. Right? A little monthly update. I remember saying something like, hey, guys, like, you know, when you do things like that, right? Hey, if you're going to win, we'll stay and watch you win. But if you're not going to win, we're just going to get on the road. In my opinion, you're sending a signal to your kid that says, I love you if you win, and if you don't win, I don't love you as much, right? I know no parent would ever actually say that. But when you stay for awards, it says, hey, I'll sacrifice traffic and sleep and you know, I'll sacrifice all these other things as long as you're winning. But if you're not winning, then I'm not going to sacrifice any of that. I'm not going to sacrifice tra sitting in traffic for second place. I'm definitely not going to sacrifice sleep for third place, kid. Right? And again, I know parents would never say that to their kid, but they are kids and they don't share the same perspective as parents and you know they write their own stories in their heads right and so I would just say be careful with what your actions say and emphasize to your kid about how they are significant and valuable in this world. You know, one thing I try very carefully not to do, and again, if you've heard the pod before, you've heard me say it a billion times, but I really, really try hard not to praise Joey on her accomplishments. And she's, you know, she's only three years old, but she's like so talented. I'm like, man, this kid is freaking brilliant <laughs> and i want to say you're the smartest kid in the world so i want to say to her every day i just can't believe some of this stuff she does um but i really try hard to one make sure she knows that i love her no matter what um i know most parents always say hey i love you i love you son daughter i always try to say to her hey does daddy love you and she goes, yes. I want to make sure she knows I love her. But, you know, but I want to make sure that she 
you know, when she does something right, when I'm like really proud, I'm like, man, I'm so, so that was so cool. She did that. Always try to make sure, but hey, Joey, you should be so proud of yourself. That was so, you know, whatever creative, or I know that was so hard and you kept focused on that or whatever, but I just want, I want Joey to have, to build her own self-worth. I want her to be super confident in herself, super proud of herself, and I want her to know that no matter what, her dad loves her, regardless of her ability to color count or sing that, you know, her dad's going to love her. So that's my, uh, that's my challenge to you guys as parents and as coaches. You know, whether you guys hit your routine or drop all over the place, love you guys, proud of you guys no matter what, no matter if you're a flyer on a world's team or a front spot on a prep team, <laughs> love you, proud of you, no matter what. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me. Five, six, seven, eight, we're out.